0: Hi, I'm Anthony Sharon, pastor of First Assembly of God of Greater Lansing, better known as GL First. I hope this message connects you to God's word and his vision for your life. You can find out more about us at glfirst.org. Thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Anthony, just in case you guys didn't know that from a few seconds ago. Okay, I'm back. I am uh, here to preach the word. You guys ready to hear the word? I'm excited. I am. Um, I just got a some good news. Uh, did, did anybody read on Facebook that our dog got lost? You didn't even know I had a dog, right? Long story short... When Christina's dad passed, the dog came to us, okay? But we gave it to Christina's mom because she moved into her dad's house and uh, needed some company. And so we gave her the dog to give her some company until she moved out. And two days ago, the dog disappeared. And um, and so we put it all over Facebook. We... Um, Went door to door. The beaties even helped us. Uh, we prayed a lot. Yes, last night even um, Elijah looked up to me, and that's my—he's now four. I can't say three-year-old anymore. He's a four-year-old. It had, you know, every time you start tracking age, it just makes me feel older. So I'm just going to keep saying he's three. And uh, and so he he you know where you know how it is when kids want to go to sleep and they they just talk and they bring up whatever's on their mind. And so this is like the 40th thing, and, and I'm laying there with him, and he, he goes, Dad, I'm like, what? I miss Sophie. I hope Sophie's okay. I said, yeah, me too. I said, you wanna pray about it? He goes, yeah. And so he jumps out of bed, and I remember seeing a kid so eager to pray. And I don't know if it was the dog or the fact that he could stay up for a second longer. But he, he immediately put his hands together, put his head down, and we prayed. And, um, and during worship today, Christina got a call, and uh, she rushed out, and she is, uh, after she was done, and rushed out, and uh, she is picking up the dog. I don't know. Is that that's a praise report, right? Yeah. All right. This I'm telling you, man. God is looking out for you. Okay. And and so today, today we're talking about. Um, we're going to explore God's covenant. Okay. And and I know that's a that's a big word. And and it's like, what does that really mean? And we're going to explore all of that. And hopefully, if this all comes together, okay. Uh, what, you will, what you will understand today is your role in that covenant, okay? And, and, and even deeper, how, how we respond to a crazy world in the midst of this, fulfilling this covenant. What is my role in God's plan for this world, right? I mean, that's, that's really what it kind of comes down to, and, and hopefully by exploring the very contract That that God has signed with you, you will start to see the terms of that and understand what your role is in that. Does that sound okay? You guys understand that, and so hopefully it's not too. um, You know, I was having some fun, and hopefully it's not too like out there. Okay, and and I'm trying to rein it in and and deliver it in a way that you guys can receive it, use it, pray on it, and know that you are going to be okay because God has you. God has you. God has you throughout all of this stuff. I'm hearing reports on, um, what is today? Today's the 17th? And so today is the switchover day or something like that, right? Or something crazy. There's there's all this stuff every day it seems like there's supposed to be something happening at our capital and and some of you know what I'm talking about. You know, something happening at every capital in the major 50 states. I don't know if there's a minor 50 states, but anyways. Um it's just just Thinking about that, right? So has, something's going to happen in in, in some place. I, I don't know. I mean, nobody attacks really, like, uh, the Hawaiians don't really kind of attack their own capital because they're just too chill. They're, they got a beach, you know? So maybe 49 states, okay? So just, just thinking outside the box here. But anyways... Um, So while the world is going through all of this, we have these fears that if our country doesn't act right, that we will be punished and different things like that. And hopefully by looking at the very covenant, the very basic agreement or contract that you have with God, you will start to see what your role is in all of this. Just a little snippet. Is that okay? You guys grabbing that? Okay. Now there's, again, let me just put a disclaimer. There's so much information in the Bible. I can't give you all the answers to life in 30 minutes. And you know, I'm not going to preach just for 30 minutes. So let's do this. All right. Have you, has anybody ever heard the story of how I met my wife? Has anybody ever met my wife? My wife, she was standing right here where I was and she's the one with the beautiful voice and she's singing and, uh, and, and she was rocking it and she prayed and then she ran like Cinderella. Um, anyways, that's my wife. And, and so I thought I'd open today by sharing how uh, we met. Okay? And, and so because on Facebook, she posted her Christmas gift. Did anybody see her Christmas gift on Facebook? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So let me, there's backstory to that. Okay. It, It didn't just happen and go, Hey, let's go buy a ring. Right? No, it wasn't like that. So here's, here's the thing. Christina and I met in high school. We started dating in high school. Okay, and uh, I fell head over heels for her. I remember walking in to Miss Island's class, English, okay, in, in Sexton in the eleventh grade. Is it eleventh grade? Yeah. Anyways, and uh, and and I walked in, and uh, and you know how you know how first you're you're in a new school, okay, and you have to make an impression. And so I was wearing my cross colors outfit and damaged pants. Anybody know those? No? Some of you online know what I'm talking about. And I had like some cool, I had, man, I had the coolest champion shoes, okay? They were all solid, one color. They were black with the gold symbol, okay? And I was feeling myself. What that means is that I was really into me, okay? And I walked into the, and I stopped. I stopped at the doorway. Because it, the cool thing about going to a new school and nobody knows you, you can reinvent yourself. Okay? So they had no idea who I was at the other school. So I could go in and be anybody I wanted at this school. So I stopped at the doorway. Surveyed the class, right? You got to kind of take it in. And, her, and, 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 and me and her, our eyes caught. And it was just like... And and you know like I'm the I like I like Hallmark movies. Okay, I, I'll admit that. Okay, I'm a man. I can do that. Okay, I love a good love story. I've always have. And so so in my mind, like the whole world slowed down and a really cool slow jam kicked on. And I can't remember. It was probably not a '90s ballad because it was in the '90s. <laughs> and so it was probably more like an '80s power ballad with a lot of guitar or something. But anyways, it slowed down, and, and I had hair, so my hair would kind of wave in the, in the, in the wind and stuff, and, and it was just me and her in that class, and we connected. And uh, I, it wasn't until like months later that I actually got to talk to her because I got in trouble or something, and I had to move. To whatever seat, and she was next to me, and uh, and so we uh, we connected, started talking, and hanging out, and uh, just a little bit. And she had a boyfriend. Yeah, big problem, right? And we won't get into all of that, but your boy took care of it. So <laughs> so it, it, she didn't have a boyfriend after a little while. So. Um, <laughs> And, and so we, uh, you know, we go through and, and uh, man, I, I, I tried to get up the nerve to get her number and, and I just couldn't do it for some reason, right? And, and I remember um, I had my first knee surgery, first of nine, another long story. And, uh, and, and I go and I tell her, I said, hey, I'm not going to be here for a while. I got to have knee surgery. And she goes, what? You got to go have surgery? You got to let me know how it is. And, and if you're going to be okay. And I'm like, whoa, you're worried about me? I said, I would, but I don't have your number. <laughs> oh, you don't have my number? Yeah, come on, silly. You know I don't have your number, right? And she rattled it off, and, and I think I forgot it um, because... I, one day, I walked back into school, and she's like, um, you never called me, and she was mad, okay? And and so, finally, I call her, and we talked every day since, okay, except for this one weekend, and I didn't know it was serious until this weekend, okay? This weekend, I call my friends, and we start hanging out, and we hung out all weekend, and I didn't call anybody, right? And I get back to school Monday, and... And at this time, I was uh, splitting school half between Hill and half between Sexton, okay? And uh, and so I was at Hill and I was doing radio TV production. And I'm sitting there and I'm, this is a cool class. This is where you can just hang out and do whatever, right? And she was taking cosmetology down the hallway. And all of a sudden, I hear a at the door. Okay, in the middle of like the teacher and everything else and and all this stuff, a knocking. And I look and there's like this window in the door. And I look and I see her in her smock and all of her girlfriends at the door. And I'm just like, whoa, what just happened? And so everybody in the class looked at me, right? For some reason, like I had really messed up. Right, and the teacher goes, "Hey, you need to go take care of this." <laughs> okay, all right. So I walk outside, and and I got the whole lecture of, "Why didn't you call me this weekend? What 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 is the matter with you?" I'm like, "Whoa, are we dating? I did I, I are we? Is this legit now? Is this?" And so from that day on. Legitimately, every single day, I have talked to my wife, Uh, no matter where I am, in the world or whatever. I have uh, we have talked, and so, you know, we were broke, and we were going to get married. And I think at that time I was 21 when we decided to get married. Okay, had no money, and literally the rings that we bought, we bought at a clearance place that was going out of business, and. we spent $200 and we got both both rings, okay? And there's no engagement ring or anything like that. I, I was not suave like that. Um, and so we did the whole thing. We borrowed a ring from her grandmother um, and made a, a whole set. And uh, she lost it years later, okay? And I'm like, whoa, I can't believe she lost the ring. And then we freaked out, looked all over the place. And so after camp one year, I worked at the camp as a director the whole week or so, and they give you your check on that Friday. And me and the kids, we drove straight to J.B. Robinson and bought her a single diamond ring and gave it to her. And that was her new wedding ring. But I did not realize that a single diamond ring on a woman means that you're engaged, not married. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm just not that hip into this stuff, right? And so, um, so you know, after like, a few hints here and there, um, I decided to start saving up. and And this uh, this Christmas, I bought her a wrap um, for that diamond, and. Uh, and it looks really nice, and she's very, very happy, and she smiles all the time now. And, uh, and, and so the point being that, you know, we, we got married. We've been married 21 years. It'll be 22. Is it 22 already? No, it'll be 22 this year. It'll be 22 this year. So, um, and we've been together 27 years and uh and, it, and it's taken that long for me to put the ring on it <laughs> some of us have commitment issues it's a guy thing right i don't i uh I, I really don't i am one of those people that uh you know when you get married that is a contract between you and your spouse okay and and in that contract how many of you guys have ever read the fine print in the contract it says, for better, for worse, death do you part, even if you wish it, um, you're not a part, right? And so I, I took this very, very seriously, and, and I've got to say, in 27 years, there has been a lot of ups and downs through five kids through so many surgeries, through all of these things, there's been a lot of ups and downs, but I entered into this covenant is what it is, right? It's a marriage agreement, okay? And, and here's the thing, In today's day and age, we, um, we kind of, that, that word covenant or agreement means feelings sometimes, and I got to tell you, my wife uh, did not want me to just feel um, and believe in her. She wanted me to be loyal and trust in her. And that was a big, that's a big thing. And, and I want you to hold on to that for a second, because look at this covenant in, in the ancient world, it wasn't, it was an agreement between two parties, Right. And uh, and me entering into that relationship with Christina is that agreement that we agreed to be loyal and to trust in one another for life. And that's not easy. It is not easy. It's not easy living with somebody else. It's not easy having and introducing new little parties uh, every couple of years into your house as little humans as they grow up and have their own personalities. That shifts the world in which we live in our house okay and so here's the thing as far as i I can tell um the the greatest relationship that we can actually have is not with our spouse It, it is with with god okay and god has signed a an agreement with each and every single one of us he has and and so this, this is actually the most significant relationship um, that we can have. And outside of that is our relationship with our spouse, which is supposed to mirror that relationship that you have with God. That's, that's what it's saying. It's, the, it's, it's a wonderful and, and cool thing. And so here's the thing. If you're looking to connect with God, um, to be a part of what he's doing in this world, then you have to connect with God through a covenant through an agreement okay and so this is the question all right how how can I be a part of what God is is doing and my guess is that every single one of us in this place we want to be even if you're just investigating church today um, or the claims of of Jesus and who he is most people what they want is they want their lives to matter who wants their lives to matter Who wants what they do on a day-to-day basis to matter, okay? We want to make a difference, right? We want to be bigger than what we perceive ourselves to be. We want to be. We have this desire to be. How could you uh, do that better than to partner with God and his agenda for this world? I mean, I've got to believe that God's plan for this world is a lot bigger than I can even comprehend. And so if I can partner with him... Then I can be a part of something so much bigger than what is happening in front of my face, right? And so before we move forward, we've got to define a couple things. One, covenant. A covenant is uh, an agreement between two parties. You've heard, if you've been in church, you've heard the word maybe a couple times or whatnot. Um, You may be familiar with it, but in the context of marriage, that's a covenant. I wanted to kind of give you that so you have a basis of what it is that we're going to talk about today. Okay? And if you ever read the Bible, you've probably heard the word covenant. In fact, the Bible is divided into two covenants, two parts, right? You have a old covenant and a new covenant. An Old Testament and a New Testament. And the Old Testament is is basically the Ten Commandments brought down by Moses from Mount Sinai. And that's an oversimplification. Okay. And the New Covenant specifically is the blood of Jesus that is symbolized in communion. If you were here last week, if you were part of what we did in our service last week, we had communion, okay? And, and so you had a, a chance to be a part of that or to see it firsthand. And so a covenant, like I said, in the ancient world is an agreement between uh, two parties, okay? And um, there is there is a difference. There is a difference in, in this. Uh, in the ancient world, the terms of the covenant were established actually by the greater party the greater party okay the person with more power established the terms of the agreement now that still happens in our day and age now you just don't know it happens because people are really slick at negotiating okay but the person with the power makes and dictates the terms and the secondary party, um, they have the option to either agree with it or disagree with it. If they agree, they enter into covenant. If they disagree, they do not. So when we have a covenant with God, guess who the greater party is? You say that one more time. Okay. Those that are online, do you know the answer to this? If you enter in with a covenant with God, who's the greater party? It's God right? We do not get to barter with God. Think about that for a second. We do not get to barter with God. We don't get to alter the agreement. We don't get to add our own terms. This is so important because you see this happening in our society today. You see this, every, matter of fact, not even just in our society today, when you were younger in your faith, you tried to do this, right? Every single one of us, when we were younger in our faith, we tried to negotiate with God and tell him, well, I don't really want to do this, God. Do you want me to do this? I really want to do this though. But if I do this, I can stop doing it and do this tomorrow, right? We, we try to alter the agreements, But here's the reality. He sets the terms of the covenants, and we can accept them or reject them. That's our options. Accept or reject. We cannot alter. The second term that I want you to understand today is the term faith. Faith. If you online know what faith is, type out an answer, because this is... I'm trying to do this as simplistic as possible and user-friendly as possible, okay? So I wanna clarify this this term, faith. Um, Anybody out here know just a simple, quick answer to what faith is? If you do, just yell it out. Nobody does, okay, fine. Complete confidence, okay, that's pretty good, right? I like that, okay, anybody else got something? I believe. I like that. I like that. So here's here's how our culture kind of looks at faith, and I and I looked at our culture because our culture is our day and age right now, right? Where we are, how how we um, kind of dictate things through society, and so faith is defined mostly as either a feeling or a mindset, a feeling or a mindset right that's that's kind of what it's in our society they kind of deem the term i believe means i feel or for others it means this is what i believe to be true but going back to my opening story with how i met my wife she didn't merely want me to believe in her right When I signed this covenant with my wife, my wife doesn't just want me to believe in her. That's not the the extent of it, right? She wanted me to be loyal to her. She wanted me to be uh, a trusting person for her, right? Can you guys agree with that? Okay. And, And I believe that it's the same way with God. He doesn't just want you to simply believe in him or even believe things about him. He wants you to be loyal and trust in him. It goes back to the old adage of, I can believe that the speed limit should be 50, but if I drive 75, what do I actually believe? Right? Because I believe the speed limit should be unlimited. It should have a little infinity sign. Just saying. (laughs) My marriage has thrived, the spirit of my marriage has thrived through the decades on the firm foundation of um, uh, what's the word that I would use? Fidelity. Fidelity, it's, it's kind of a, a mix of loyalty and trust and everything else. This fidelity, uh, of it, it, that's, that's kind of the, the faith behind our marriage. And here's the thing, your marriage is probably no different. For those of you who, who are actually married, you know that feelings rise and they fall. And they rise and they fall and they rise and they fall. And if you leave a dish on the table, they fall. And if you clean the house while she's gone, they rise. Beliefs give way to behaviors. Over the long haul, relationships thrive on this fidelity. In other words, this trust and loyalty. Okay? God is concerned more with how we live for him compared to how we feel about him. You understand that? Because that's that's the agreement. That's the agreement. An agreement has action tied to it, right? Same with our faith in God. God is far less concerned about how we feel towards him or what we believe about him as he is our life of loyalty lived out for him. If you understand this concept, then the story of the, the, the first major covenant in the Bible will start to make sense to you, okay? And, and going back into Genesis, because that's kind of what we've been studying, if you guys haven't noticed and picked up the trend, we've been studying Genesis, new beginnings, look at the beginning, look at the, the beginning, right? And so going back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 12, God made a promise to a man, a man named Abraham. Abraham. And Abraham was a pagan, a, a, somebody who didn't believe in God, living in Mesopotamia. Um, Mesopotamia. What is it? Okay, you should grab a mic and come up here. Okay? Don't correct me from the floor. Just, just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, what AJ said. Genesis 12, 1 through 2 says this. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. God's covenant with Abraham had two requirements. Okay. And, and so if you look at this, it says, leave your land, leave your family. And this covenant also has, um, two promises and the promises are a bigger land and a larger family. Okay. Just to kind of simplify this, that was the covenant. That was the agreement. And Abraham pledged his, his, uh, allegiance to it through his obedience. He became the father of faith Okay? Now, we keep going, and this is what uh, the Apostle Paul said in Romans 4, 3. He says this, For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Okay? Now, skip down in Romans to uh, chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Okay? Okay? And we're going to go right in the middle of 11 right here, starting with the purpose. And it says this, the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. Verse 12, and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before uh, he was circumcised. Therefore, Abraham became the father of the faith. He is the spiritual and biological father of the Jews. He is the spiritual father, uh, therefore, of Christians. And he is also the father of Islam through his offspring, Ishmael. That makes Abraham the single most influential religious figure of human history. Isn't that amazing? Okay. Claiming adherence of nearly 50% of all humanity. Man, that's huge. And it gets bigger. Right? And so here's the thing. Go down to, uh, let's skip back and let's go to Genesis chapter 15. And we see something pretty significant here. God asked Abraham to ratify this covenant in a specific way. Okay. Because he's bigger, he has the power, he has the ability to change the terms, all right? So we go back to Genesis chapter 15, we were in 12, now we're in 15, and we're in verse 9. And he said this, he said to him, and this is God, saying to Abraham, all right, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, and a turtle dove and a young Pigeon. He was not singing a Christmas song. Okay? He was doing something specific. Look in verse 10. And he brought him all of these things, cut them in half, and laid each over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. All right? So this seems a bit frightening. I know this can be a little graphic. I won't tell you some of the things I've seen in Africa as, uh, as we were getting prepared to have goat stew. But it became very graphic. I will say that. Nonetheless, this was common practice in the ancient world. So what we have here is the signing of the contract. Okay? Not with ink, but with blood. That's how the contract was signed, okay? And now this was, this was the significance of the sacrifice. The sacrifice is the signing of the agreement in blood, okay? Now the idea was that the one agreeing to the contract would make the sacrifice, okay? So if I presented you a contract and said, hey, do you agree with this contract? You would not sign it with ink, you would go, chop something in half sign it signifying that that blood is you signing that contract now it goes even deeper you would cut that animal in half you would lay them side by side and you would walk between them it was a way of saying if i break this covenant if i break this agreement may it be to me as i have done to these animals are you guys catching this? Am I making, am I making sense to you? Am I, making, am I making this pretty clear? Okay. So he's basically saying, hey, if I break this contract, may what happened to these animals happen to me. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty deep, right? Huh? You want to sign that kind of contract with me, son? Now, go into verse 11. It uh, says this. And when birds of prey came down on the, car- the carcasses, Abraham Abram drove them away. Now here's the thing. For the rest of the day, Abraham shooed the birds of prey away. And when night fell, Abraham fell asleep. And in the middle of the night, God showed up in a pillar of fire. You can look at this on your own in verse 17. Okay. And he passed between the halves, the sacrifice. Right? Notice, and and this is really important. It was not Abraham who would pay the penalty if the covenant was broken. It was God. God Himself said by passing between these animals if you break this covenant may it be to me as you have done to these by doing that he is saying may it be to me as 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 you have done to these things this is an extraordinary and extreme agreement okay and yet we see the concept repeated in chapter 22 Here, God made a demand of Abraham that seems unthinkable. And you may recall his story um, that that in his late 90s or so, how old was Abraham? Abraham was a lot older than myself and, and Sarah in her early 90s, early 90s. That just seems like an oxymoron. I'm sorry. Right? And, and, and which is even more miraculous, but God uh, gave them an offspring that he had promised them, okay? And Abraham and Sarah named their son, anybody know? Isaac, right? And fast forward a few years, and uh, we're not really sure how old Isaac is in, in chapter 22 because years go by from verse to verse sometimes, right? Some scholars say he's in the 30s. Some people say he's mid-teens. Either way, either way, the important thing is that you understand this, that Isaac could run a lot faster than his dad who was over 100 years old. You guys understand this, right? And so when you hear the story about Abraham sacrificing Isaac, anybody ever heard that story? Abraham sacrificing his son. Okay, we always imagine that his son is this baby or this child, okay? And he laid him on there and went to do this. But in reality, Isaac was either, best guess, in his late 20, or, uh, teens to his 30s, which means that Isaac entered into this covenant, this agreement, this arrangement, willingly. He willingly followed his father for all those days traveling up to the mountain. He willingly laid on that altar. He probably even helped set up the firewood to burn his own body. Do you understand this? Okay. And so it's kind of fascinating when you start to really think about some of these covenants and these agreements. And here's the thing. Nonetheless, Abraham assumed um, that, that God was going to do something miraculous that day and stop this or resurrect his son. And, and I got to believe that Isaac believed this too. That's why he decided to lay on the altar. And, and as, as Abraham was going to strike down the knife, in a split second... God shouted out and said, whoa, stop, stop. That's kind of, that's kind of crazy. You know what's even crazier is, is that Abraham had this idea that God was going to somehow resurrect his son. But did you know that there is no evidence of any resurrections before that time? Right? So there is no evidence that, oh, God does this. God. Raises people from the dead. There's no evidence in the Bible that suggests that Abraham ever thought that God would do this. Okay? But yet, he had this faith in God that no matter what happened, he was going to raise him or do something and bring him back. Figuratively speaking, relatively, I don't know, right? But in Hebrews 11:19, it says this. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. From which, figuratively speaking he did receive him back. Now, for, to you and I, this probably seems like a horribly inappropriate test, right? But in fact, it, if it wasn't for Matthew 26, we could never fully understand what God's intentions were. Perhaps you know how the story ends, right? He goes, he stops him, and at that moment, God speaks and says, hey, there's another sacrifice over there in the bushes, a ram, right? Go grab that and sacrifice that in the place, okay? And, uh, and so we fast forward to Matthew 26, and you guys know that this is years and years and years and years between, okay? Because now we're, we're going from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, and we're going from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and we're reading... Um, what it is the the accounts that that Matthew had of this incident, and there on another hill, on another day, there's another son to be slain. But this time, the lamb is uh, it, it, the lamb in the thicket, and the son to be slain are one in the same. God was using Abraham to point out that He would make good on His promises when he walked between the halves of the sacrifice, okay? And God himself would pay the price for a broken covenant. Genesis chapter 15, Genesis chapter 22, and Matthew 26 are all chapters in the same story. In the same story. Now, if you understand what Matthew 26 is, that's the story of Jesus on the cross being sacrificed and slain for us. What is he called? The Lamb of God? Being a part of what God is doing in the world can only happen when you commit to the covenant that God provides. So you ask these things, how can I be a part of uh, what God is doing in this world? And um, The reality is it only happens. It only happens through loyal commitment to the covenant that God himself provides. While the covenant of Abraham was fulfilled through Jesus, so too is every single covenant in the Bible. Every single covenant in the Bible is fulfilled through the blood of Christ. I'll go through some of them in a second here. Look. Uh, but, but I want to I mention for a second, we are developing a podcast, and, um, and we're getting ready to record uh, the, our Bible commentary. And in it, the challenge that we came up to was to point every chapter in the Bible to Christ and, and give a, a perspective through that, because I believe the whole Bible is written as a story uh, of, of Christ. Anyways, that's a side note. But look at some of these covenants real quick. The covenant with Adam was to walk with God in, in as, as long as um, every single day, as long as they didn't bring or break the loyalty by eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? And what do we do? Well, we, what do we got? We got these ancestral forefathers, Adam and Eve, ate freely from their fruit and brought this, this curse on all humanity, And yet it was Jesus dying on the cross who paid the actual price for them breaking the covenant. It was him paying the price to be reconciled to God, for us to be reconciled, to have this reconciliation, to bring the contract back. Through him, we regain our relationship with God. Look at the covenant with Noah, right? It was to save his family from the flood by following um, God's command to build a boat. This was compared to um, Christian baptism by the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 3, 20 through 21. It says this, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Go back to the covenant with Moses. Moses was a... um, He had a kind of a a national legal system, right, all summarized in the Ten Commandments that gave God's nation both liberty and limitation to protect them from their own simple mindsets. Their own simple uh, concept, their own simple uh, ways of life, their beliefs, the things that they thought were right in their country. God said, hey, I'm going to summarize all these things up into 10 commandments to protect you from what you think is good. It soon became clear that rules without relationship led to rebellion. And God's people needed more than just law. They needed love demonstrated in a God who would walk between the halves of the sacrifices for them. Jesus claimed that uh, about himself that he fulfilled this law. He said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come to abolish them, but to fulfill. Them, the laws. Matthew 5, 17, right? Or as Paul put it in in Colossians 2, 13 through 14, it says this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. The covenant with David was a promise that a seed from his line would always sit on the throne over Israel. And in 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13, it says this, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. It it pretty quickly in David's time became clear that he wasn't just, um, that, that his promise was never going to be fulfilled through Solomon or uh, Rehoboam or any of these people, right? Or any of the other ancient kings that kept popping up. Rather, it was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. The angel Gabriel promised Mary just prior to her conception that her son would fulfill that very uh, prophecy. That very one from 2 Samuel. Luke 1:32 says this, "He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of His Father." Who? David, are you starting to connect some of this stuff? I'm hoping I'm making some of this make sense to you, OK? That every single covenant that has went through has got to be fulfilled through Jesus Christ." So that comes back to this. All that to be said is this. The bottom line is Jesus fulfilled every single previous covenant. His blood and his sacrifice is God walking between these animals. Is God saying, hey, you know what? When you mess up, I pay the price. I pay the price for that. When you break this covenant, I pay the price. He is God in the flesh, Jesus is, fulfilling the covenant to Abraham That when the covenant was broken, he would pay the price. So here's the thing. If you want to be part of what God is doing in this world, it requires faith. And and we don't throw that word around loosely. It requires loyalty. It requires trust. And I got to say, man, I, I am not seeing a lot of trust in our day and age right now. I'm not seeing a lot of trust in Jesus and we have to get back to trusting in Jesus because we may not see everything that's going on. We may not see. I'm telling you, God's timeline does not work like our timeline. Okay, we, we've talked about that during this whole Advent calendar thing, right? That his timeline and his thing, I mean, he, he promised David something and then thousands of years later fulfilled it when David thought it was a right now thing, but God's time does not think like our time. And so we think that that, that God wants to fulfill all of these things in the next year, month, election, this or that. I'm telling you, God's timeline is not our timeline. And he is the one that is gonna fulfill all of his promises. Not any man, not any woman, not any elected official, not any pastor. I'm telling you, he is the one. And so we've got to trust that he is going to take care of it. It requires faith, this loyalty and trust. And we can have the worship team come on up and I'll, uh, I'll stop talking here. It is the faith of, of Noah against all reason, to build a boat simply because God said so. I mean, this is faith. It is the faith of Moses to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Leading a rebellious people with nothing but two tables of stone in the Ten Commandments inscribed upon each of them. It's the faith of David to run to God in repentance each and every time he sinned. And to know that being a man after God's own heart is not about the heart you have, but the, the heart you are after. So let me conclude with this serious question. And this, this can be your takeaway. And I hope this answers a lot of the questions you may have over these last couple weeks. If your faith were evaluated in the same way you measured your marriage, would you be single? Would you be separated? Would you be divorced? Would you still be married? Obviously, every relationship has room for improvement. So let's do one thing this week that aligns ourselves up with God's agenda in this world, with his covenant, with his plan. Let's do one thing that makes us one step closer in this relationship, one step closer to being more intimate with our savior. And I'm telling you, if if all of us just do that, Then this mess with the government and everything else won't even matter because we'll start to improve the country because of who we are. Because of who we are. And we'll get back to being the moral compass of this country by the way that we act, by the way we treat, by the way we trust, by the way we love. Before we can Fulfill a covenant between a country and God. We need to fulfill the covenant between us and God. I say it all the time. Before we can change the world, we have to be able to affect and change our world. And our world is not that big. It's the people sitting to the right, to the left, to the people that you wake up with every single day. People you go to work with. Evaluate where you are with God right now, and evaluate one area of your life, perhaps your finances, perhaps your priorities, perhaps your habits, perhaps your relationships, where you can align your behavior with your belief in a more meaningful way. That's what all that's... Jargon with all the covenants comes down to everything points to Christ, everything points to Jesus, and I pray that your heart does too. And all the actions that come out of it, all those things that we say online, are we filtering it through Jesus? I got a letter from our superintendent, and he ended with a really cool thing, and I just I wanted to read that and I just love his heart, and this is Jeff 11, and he he just said, and and he had a lot of chaos going on in the letter. I can't get into the letter with you, but I will say this, and he says, he said, I I love Micah 6.8, and it says this, he has told you, oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? The perfect and ultimate expression of balancing justice, holiness, mercy, kindness, and forgiveness is the cross itself, the place of full redemption. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I don't, uh, I don't know where everybody stands with their relationship with God and with you, But I know that we, we have to have a relationship with you. And the only way to get that is through your son, Jesus Christ. Your word says that you are swift and just to forgive if we, if we present our hearts to you. If we present our lives to you, if we give our lives to you, Lord, you will cover them. That covenant that you paid for our sins so many years ago on that cross, by your blood, you signed the agreement in blood. Saying that if we want to enter in to a relationship with you, all we've got to do is we've got to confess that we we are sinners. That we are lost without you. We got to believe that you died on that cross for our sins. That your sacrifice was great enough at that time to cover my sins right now. My past, present, and future. And then we have to ask. We have to ask that you would Come live inside of our hearts, that you would forgive us of our sins, and that you would be Lord of our lives. Now, this doesn't mean that life gets easier. For many of us, it gets harder. I know for me, I. It seems like after giving my life to the Lord, I woke up with a conscience. And the things that I did, I couldn't do anymore. Some of the friends that I had, I couldn't have anymore. There's a cleansing that takes place. But it's a journey, it's not an overnight thing. So as we come together, let's just. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to say this prayer. If you want to say it with me, you can. If you uh, just want to say it silently, you can. But let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. But I believe that you died on the cross for all my sins. So I ask that you would come and live inside of my heart, take over my life, guide me, love me, and show me the way. I want to live for you from this day on. I want to know your ways. I want to know your truth. And I thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you said that prayer and you're online, uh, you know what? Inbox us. We want to celebrate with you. We want to help you in this journey. If you're here and you said that prayer, uh, come and talk to us. I know it's a a socially distant world, but you know what? Find a way. Fight for it because your soul, your life is worth it. Amen? Amen. Uh, Why don't you stand up? Let's sing another song real quick. And uh, we will let you out. Amen. Thanks for joining us. I hope this message blessed you. Our goal is to connect you to God's people, God's word, and his mission for your life. You can find out more about us at glfirst.org. Again, that's glfirst.org. Hope to see you next week. God bless.